everybody and welcome to the answer to life and all and every question which is episode 42 of dungeons and diapers so we're going to answer every question and to help me with that to help me is my co-host crofton crofton thank you for answering all all of life's questions is this uh, perhaps a reference to hitchhiker's guide of the galaxy to yeah. the galaxy is that and what i'm it is? so oh. familiar with the material that i didn't even have to look it up and i nailed it just nailed it Okay, good. And and probably I ruined your reference by over-explaining it by no. asking if it was reference to something. Uh, I, I am ruined it by not referencing it properly. That's I, I dug my own grave on this <laughs> one. So don't, I, don't you worry. I am the Captain America. I understood that reference gif right now. That is essentially <laughs> what I am. Um, well, we're all Captain how, America. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> we, we all are in Canada. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, I am, like, I will be honest, Ryan, I am, you know, not in perfect form. I'm a little bit, as you say, tired. I think we've all been under a bit of stress lately with the return to school. And uh, um, while Gwen has not returned to school yet, uh, there's been a lot of like wait and see and stuff with work and all of that. So I haven't been, I, di I didn't have a great sleep last night, which is unlike me. So I'm a little bit uh, on the shaky side, but I'm sure you'll carry the load. Yes, I will uh, certainly drag us across the, uh, the episode 42 threshold. Um, but I will say this. Yeah, you're right. Um, it is back to school time. Uh, it sounds like not this episode, but next episode we'll have tons of, to talk about when it comes to back to school because tomorrow is we got we got Caden's at home learning um sort of schedule for the day um today and we weren't going to know much about it until tomorrow because that's when his orientation is with the teacher but it's um it I'll share my first impressions here is like it's literally just it's just a day of all things there's stuff on all day so you know, at home, like I know a lot of people were complaining about at home learning before, but like at home learning is, is legit just you're not in the classroom, you're learning, but you're at home. <laughs> I mean, and it's all day. I, again, I should not be surprised that it's like 830 to three o'clock, but we were a little surprised. So um, we're going to try and, it. And what's he in? He's JK. So, uh, you know, I've at heard, home learning what what the heck do they do for jk all day it's I like no idea it's like the whole thing is about like socializing with other kids and stuff like that like i mean no no offense and and just to contextualize for the listeners like ryan is uh um not sending his kids back to to the the living breathing school building uh he's keeping them at you know at home which i i would really have almost preferred we be able to do with with our daughter Gwen. Uh, she is going starting grade one. She's going into school, um, and so we're in sort of like we. It's interesting because we'll be able to present the two sort of sides of it as as Caden does the virtual, and and Gwen does the in class. Mm -hmm. Well, the thing is, uh, I will acknowledge the fact that us in, in my household we're in a special circumstance where uh, Ashley is not working. I'm on parental leave until the end of the year. So we have this opportunity to try the first, I, I hesitate to say semester, but the first section of the year, I think they've split it into three sections. It's, it's basically from now until November, then till February, then till June. And you can make switches within those 
specific time gaps um, to whether your kid is in class or at home. This allows the schools to kind of not have to make on-the-fly changes. So we initially, we were talking about it. We were going to do homeschooling. And then I said to Ashley, he's like, we don't know anything about homeschooling. And I know it's JK, but I, I mean, we had a couple options. And, and I know a lot of people are, are basically saying, well, we're not just going to send our kids to JK, which is a perfectly fine thing to do. Because like you said, JK is all about socialization. They're not going to get that because I've talked to a lot of uh, friends and, and parents that are sending their kids in. And it's really just uh, a lot of kids are reporting back. It's boring because they're having to sit at a desk, only going to play with toys at specific times. And it's really old school teaching where you're in a desk, you're learning all day, and then you're going home. Um, so, but, but for me, like, because I'm home, I, I said to Ashley, like, I mean, it would make, it would just make sense. Like, since we're both home, we could just do this, see how it goes. And then if it really isn't our cup of tea or it's not working or Caden isn't, isn't enjoying it, we can reevaluate uh, closer to the holidays, uh, closer to Christmas. So that's where we're at now. And this is me talking. This could be another one of those moments, um, unlike the pool situation, where afterwards, in hindsight, it's like, man, that was a bad decision, you know? Um, whereas, like uh, which would be the opposite uh, reaction I yeah. had when we took the pool out. <laughs> of course. I'll yeah, see, yeah. Yeah. So uh, we'll see. I, I, I will see. I already laugh at the mental image of uh, <laughs> Professor Ryan standing in front of Katie and be like, "All right, so today uh, it says here. Oh, what is what is the curriculum say? Oh, it says English. Well, we're gonna replace that with the history of a little guy. My my dad likes to call Super Mario. Uh, so uh, this is the Mario package with the three games, and we're gonna sit down and, oh. and play them together." Kate is like, this is the best school ever. But no, I recognize that it's like there's a teacher, the virtual virtual uh, teacher that is going to be involved and it's not just going to be you. I, I have um, like I feel a little bit for Gwen's kindergarten teacher in particular. So there's two kindergarten teachers at her school um, and one of them has major tenure being there forever. And the other one has been there for quite a few years, but like and that was Gwen's teacher, but not obviously the same amount. And so as there's less kids, there's less and there, there's less classes. And so she is teaching an all virtual class and it's not going to be kindergarten. And she doesn't even know what it's going to be yet. And that was that was the big kick in the pants today, Thursday, before we returned to school on Monday. We didn't know who Gwen's teacher was going to be. We didn't know what class she was going to be in. We didn't know how many kids they were going to be. We didn't know. Like, there's so much we didn't know. And we were, we were going to reach out to the school today because it was getting a ridiculous. Uh, but not only did we hear from them today and get the, the teach from the teacher and and, but but um, Jess and Gwen were wa out walking near the school and they ran into the kindergarten teacher and chatted with her as well. So we ended up getting a fair amount of information to prepare for next week. It sounds good. Gwen's school is normally 320 students from JK to grade six, and it will have 100 students returning to school. So um, that is a sizable downsize in numbers. Uh, her class, instead of having 30, some students will have 15. So we feel pretty good about that. We're pretty comfortable, but it does really suck that they, there's like, like they're not going to be able to play on any of the play structures in the schoolyard. Um, 
they're not going to be able to do a bunch of stuff that they would normally be able to do. It is going to be weird. It is going to be different. And I feel bad for the kids that they have to go through this and this is mm -hmm. their schooling experience, you know? So um, anyway, it's not ideal for anyone, but yeah, so, I, such I, is life. I feel for the, I feel for the kids and, and, you know, growing up my, you know, my mother's a teacher and um, every, a lot of people on my mom's side are teachers and my dad's side. And I really feel for the teachers as well who are, have you know they're they're having a struggle on a normal situ in a normal situation and now they're having to like i said to ashley where she showed me the the daily routine for the jk sk kindergarten uh daily um, at home learning and at first our our reaction was like oh man how are we going to do this and i thought no how is that teacher going to do this for x amount of students across google classroom with like i mean I, I have no idea how I'm going to do it, but I, again, I, trying to organize a Zoom call with a bunch of toddlers, that sounds difficult. And I know, I know Ashley and I were very tech savvy, um, but in my conversations and just day-to-day -day life, you come across people who don't know how to use the technology, right? And suddenly they're being, they're being asked to do stuff that they probably never thought they would have to do, like start a, start a Google meeting, right? And, and not only that, having to work while doing this, I, I fully acknowledge, like, we're in a special situation, we wanted to take Caden out of the classroom to, to, you know, lower numbers in the classrooms and make it safer. And we have that opportunity, not everyone does. So, I mean, again, could be eating all these words in two weeks and be like, please, for the love of God, go to school. Uh, but we've made our choice. And um, Caden's excited. And I'll report back next week. But before we jump into dungeons, I did want to uh, have a special announcement here. As everyone, or may you may or may not remember, last year around this time, we started talking about Extra Life, and it is back, and we have a special promotion for the Dungeons & Diapers listeners, and if you want to donate, so this year we're doing, if you donate $20 or more to myself, who's doing Extra Life, uh, I will watch the first episode of a kid's show of your choice and review it on the show. Um, I'm going to try to put together like a demo reel for the next episode, uh, where I'll be talking about Naughty, uh, which is a show that the kids are obsessed of, uh, obsessed with on Netflix. So I'll be doing that next week to give you a taste of, of what to expect, but you can donate, go to bit.ly slash extra life, Ryan, $20 or more name your TV show. You can make it as cringeworthy as you want you could make it as interesting as you want you could just say this is my kid's favorite show and it'd be great to get your take um and i'll try to watch it with the kids as well to to get their sort of yay or nay on it too and uh yeah and I'll, I'll be doing those as soon as they come in on demand so you donate before our next episode we'll do it on the show we'll do one an episode until we run out so hopefully you can support all the money raised for extra life goes to sick kids which is a children's miracle network hospital uh, in Toronto, Ontario, and uh, they really uh, need the support this year more than more than uh, most years because I know they're dealing, they're being hit pretty hard with uh, COVID and stuff. So uh, we really appreciate that, and we'll have updates as we move along through 2020. Excited about that. It's a good point. It's not a normal year. Like it's you know, it's a it's a crazy situation that we're all in. But then there's something that like there is this element of normalcy that extra life brings because you've been doing it for so long you know it's like oh yeah extra life uh but but at the same point it's needed like i would 
imagine it's needed now more than ever. So uh, I, hopefully you get some good uh, good support. Yeah, well, I we I do appreciate it, and I know they do too. So uh, we'll uh, well, it'll be a lot of fun, and we are doing. I am doing some streaming and stuff. So if you check out that page, you'll see more details on what we have planned. But specifically to this podcast, I wanted to sweeten the pot a little bit. I think last year I did a Paw Patrol video game and. There is another one coming out in November, but we wanted to switch things up this year and uh, been, been well, as as we all have been doing, we've been watching a lot of children's programming uh, yeah. over this last summer. So I'm sure you've all got fun little shows that you can make us talk about on here and, and uh, we'll do it. We'll do it right up special and uh, you'll get a taste of that I, next episode. I definitely have some of that in the diaper section a bit later on, to, uh, but before we roll into the dungeon section, mm-hmm. I, I had a thing I just wanted to mention, which really doesn't fit in either bucket. I thought it, maybe it's more of a dungeons thing than anything because it was related to a podcast that I was listening to. You guys may remember that I listened. Uh, I mentioned, uh, uh, this podcast reply all a few oh. episodes ago and I was listening to it um, and I was looking at it for a couple of, you know, individual episodes that had impact. And I listened to this one called the Snapchat thief and it scared the bejesus yes. out of me. Um, <laughs> and when, it, when I was listening to it, I, it's about it, essentially somebody who, who gets their Snapchat hijacked. This is a couple of years ago when Snapchat was popular and it just made me realize, oh, man, uh, you know, like it's very easy. Uh, the Internet's a wild place, and especially for uh, those of us who may use the same password all the time. Um, I also was getting at the same time that I heard this episode, I was I was getting annoyed with my computer and phone usage with regards to Google Chrome, which has been my web browser of choice and how like. It had conveniences where it'd be like auto filling stuff, but it was starting to be like a little too creepy. It knew like it was finishing things before I would, you know, type it in. It was hitting me with ads constantly, like targeted ads. Uh, you know, I went into the Android settings and I was, I was, I was pulling away at it. Then I heard about this, like you know, when searching on web browsers, I found that there's this one and it has the wackiest name. It's called duck, duck go. And, um, I had never heard about it before. And I read up on it. I heard it referenced on a podcast at one point and I thought somebody was making a joke, but I've downloaded it on my phone in particular. Um, and I've been using it for the past couple of weeks. And while I still have Chrome on my phone, which I use for certain things, like if I'm looking for something that needs location, um, like around Ottawa, like best restaurants for something or whatever, I might go on to Chrome and do that um, because it knows everything to know about me and my tastes anyway at this point. But from now now on, for my regular web browsing, I've switched to DuckDuckGo. And honestly, like it's so like it's got built-in ad blocker. It's it doesn't track all this junk. It's just really like it feels good to be on the internet on it. And so anyway, I just want to recommend it because it's not something that I I I thought too highly about until I listened to that Snapchat thief episode. Yeah, that episode freaked me out. I had no idea about SIM swapping. Um, you know, I knew I knew of you know stealing passwords and your passwords being hacked, and then them having your email and kind of doing a a random brute force on a bunch of popular sites. Now, in in the case of the Snapchat one, I think they end up saying like it wasn't as nefarious. It was more of a user error type situation in terms of secure passwords. 
Um, but it's just, it, it was so fascinating. It was scary. Um, I was getting, I was having like panic attacks when my phone would lose all cellular service thinking, oh my God, I've been, I've been hacked. And then I remembered like, you know, this is where I'm glad, um, you know, the, the podcasts we do, they're, you know, they're semi, they're, they're popular enough for me. Like, I don't need to hit like, um, like high tier podcasting fame. Cause I, I think that would just. Yeah, you, know, you know, more listeners is great and all, but it just opens you up to a more public sphere where I remember Scott Johnson talking about on a podcast where he's like, oh, I'm getting hit and I'm getting password resets all over the place. And, and it's funny, I just had a conversation with my brother-in-law. He had, he had, his phone had been hacked and I'm like dropping things like, wow, I wonder if it was this or I wonder if it was that after listening to that, that uh, Reply All Snapchat episode. So um, it was it, it, a wild ride. It is just interesting because it's like it, the moral of the story really is that we're in a world now where we do the second level verification and we treat, we do that through a, a, a phone number. We treat that phone number like it's some secret piece of information when in fact you give your phone number out to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, if somebody has access to your phone number or, or is able to, you know, get, get your phone um act your phone number then then you know then they can receive those messages and i'll just like as an aside to this not to scare the living bejesus out (laughs) of everyone um i've been getting these these spam calls um like uh i'm calling from the legal department of service canada uh and uh you are going to go great to jail and all of this now it used to be that these sort of spam computer calls would come from like 1-800 numbers or really far foreign numbers. But now they're coming from, my number starts with six. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what it starts with. <laughs> it doesn't definitely does not start with six. Um, but uh, but my number starts with three numbers. Uh, and, and the calls that I would get would also start with those same three numbers. So they seem like regular local numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then I got a call uh, the other day uh, and I picked it up because I pick it up all the time. Uh, I, I check and then I block them right after. But I got a call and it was a lady and she's like, yeah, hi, I just missed your call. Yeah. And I said, and I said, I, I'm sorry, I didn't call you. And she said, well, I, you know, I, I got a call 668 or whatever. That's not my number at all. <laughs> 555, um, Hollywood, Hollywood, yeah, Hollywood. 5555. Five, five, five. And she's like, I just, I just got, um, I just got uh, your, uh, your call. And, and, and I'm like, look, I, I'm sorry. I did not call you from this number. And it turns out that like those numbers that are calling me, because I, I called one back, one of these service Canada, uh, the, one of these fake scam numbers. And mm-hmm. yeah, I got a regular person. Yeah. They're hijacking the people's phone numbers. My phone number is being used right now to call people for, as part of the scam. And There's it's really. Yeah, they're spoofing your number. So like, I I don't understand all the details, but but uh, basically what they're doing is they're spoofing your number. They're not using your your actual line your actual number that you you own and use they're kind of tricking the call display to show your number that's my understanding i could be completely wrong and i know we have some great uh twitter listeners that that definitely jump in on this uh you know at at dadcast and let us know but um i think that what they're doing is they're spoofing the number because i've had that too where i actually had the opposite happen a, a man called me i and i always pick up Um, so the man called me and I said, hello. It's like, Hey, I just got a call from you. I'm like, I didn't make a call. 
And he's like, well, blah, blah, blah. Here's your number. And I'm like, look, like, I didn't call you. Um, sorry. And I hung up. I blocked his number right away. Because, I, like, I don't like getting phone calls on a good day. So, uh, you know, on iOS, they have the option to silence unknown callers. So I just do that. Because most of the time, the scam calls will leave a message. And uh, the people, random people just... And by the way, who calls back a number with, like a missed call, right? Like if someone if if someone tried to get a hold of you and it was a missed call, unless you're a... I don't know. I just can't think of a reason unless you know the number. It's like, oh, that's that's Bob, right? And I better call I him I don't know. Back. It's like... It- up until lately, I, I, you know, if it was a one eight seven seven whatever, of course I wouldn't call it back. But if it just seems like, oh, it's a number like locally or whatever, but who do you think it is that you need to talk to them? I, I, I don't, I don't I'm know. Not specifically Maybe... talking about your situation, I was more yeah, thinking yeah. about this other guy who just called a random number back, and I'm like, do you have nothing? better to do like you were investigating this guy well maybe he was too i don't I don't want to like necessarily give him a hard time but it's just he got to def- yeah. he got all up he got all aggressive with me i'm like look i didn't call you like why why are you wasting your time and that does scare me in a sense that um th- like my number is out there people are using it or they're just getting lucky in trying to use that area code number and i don't even it and it just it boils right down to like man i I, next time i get a new phone i'm gonna switch my number but then you might be trading in a number that you've had for a long time and suddenly getting another recycled number that has an even darker history so it's like phone numbers suck they need to go away emails are also bad but at least you can you can create new ones when you need to uh i just from a security standpoint like when you have two two factor authentication and you're using apps instead of your phone number, your phone number is still the backup. You know, it's still there if you refuse to use the the numbers from your authenticator. It's there as a backup. Now, some social service, some websites and stuff will let you remove that phone number as a backup, but then you're like, you're taking that risk of not having a backup. And really the only issue with tying it to your phone number is if you get SIM swapped and then someone can intercept your text messages and reset your... Anyways, yeah, I mean, it's important to secure your accounts, but that episode, that podcast episode freaked me out, and I almost unsubscribed right away, because, like, I don't need this on a weekly basis, <laughs> you know, because I, I I, got really creeped out by that, and just the nonchalant way that these hackers are discussing what they do, as if what they do is, like, just average, average daily activities, it's just, it's wild stuff, so, uh, Listener beware,s because whew, it's uh, it, it sends you yeah. down a path for sure. Now we now we've scared you all. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully they won't listen to reply all, and they'll just keep listening to this. Right, that was the main point of. Yeah, that's the main point. That was what we did. All right, well let's let's dive into the dungeons. Um, I actually removed this from my uh, my selection because I had some other stuff I wanted to talk about. But I'm I'm curious. Are you in, you know you're enjoying uh, Umbrella Academy or maybe yeah. Yeah, so we uh, we actually finished season two of the Umbrella Academy. Oh, it was nice. just what I think you know, like when when the um, it's a just context season two of a show on Netflix. Um, uh, Netflix um, Nielsen, which tracks ratings of uh, television shows for a long time, has not been able to track streaming shows. They've just started doing the ratings of streaming shows. Uh, the first. Um, set of like uh, of, of ratings put the umbrella academy so far 
ahead at number one. It is mind-boggling. Uh, it is, is um, the biggest hit, uh, the second season in particular, the biggest hit for Netflix um, since The Witcher, which was also a, a big hit for them, and also a you know science fiction type fantasy fantasy piece and then stranger things and all of the these things it's like a big it's now reached a supersized hit for them and um it, it's based on a you know comic books about dysfunctional uh family a mix of sort of fantastic four and x-men and that they're all superheroes and um it it's very uh it, it's it has a very strong sense of style all of this sort of thing so anyway probably a lot of folks have already already seen it it just works really well as it goes down really really easy and both my wife and i really like it like it has the the human element and the dynamic interactions and the superhero-ness and the weirdness that i sort of also like there's there's just a lot and so it went down the second season went down easier i would say even than the first and we're like invested in all the characters and uh and yeah it's like a good recommend and i recommended it to my friend mike who's kind of notoriously um picky about these type of things and he and his wife are watching it and, and enjoying it as well so i just think like if you're looking for a fun watch especially as a couple it's a good one you just can't be too squeamish there is a fair amount of violence in it like and uh uh, you know, it's mostly violence played over the top and for laughs, but at the same time, it's you know, it's it's violence. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's that's how. What what did you think about the Umbrella Academy? Uh, we're so Ashley and I are, are both watching it, and uh, it's one of those shows that I am forever grateful that uh, Ashley's is into it because there there are there's a lot of shows that we will connect on, right? But then there are some shows where, like for example, The Boys uh, on Amazon. I, I know, actually, I haven't watched it with Ashley, but I feel like that one is probably too vulgar and too violent, um, to a point where the first episode would be like, yeah, I'm not watching this in comparison to Umbrella Academy. I think Umbrella Academy has a really good, uh, representation, especially when you compare season, uh, two to one, I think two kind of expands a lot upon that and you get to kind of hit the reset button on certain characters, uh, from season one that were kind of like without that reset button it would be very hard to explore them further because they kind of got to a point at the end of season one where it's like okay this person's probably gonna have to go on the back burner um, and actually probably didn't survive the I don't think they survived the comic run to be honest they you know they changed that at the end of season one but um, I'm not quite finished with season two yet I will say this I'm on like episode eight and it kind of and I don't know if this is like a curveball they're throwing me, but it very much feels um, so far like they are telling the the story of season one again, um, almost to the point where Ashley and I, where we stopped it. And again, I have to finish it. So, and I'm not complaining because I'm really enjoying it, but I'm at a point in the episode where I stopped and I'm like, they're literally doing the same thing they did at the end of season one, like where it's setting up essentially the, the end of the world has returned and that's the whole plot from the first season. And the second scene's like, oh, the the apocalypse followed us, followed us back. And I dig the way they're kind of they're they're learning about how the apocalypse is going to happen sooner than they did in the first season. But uh, I have to finish it. We're very much enjoying it, and I think we're at a point where like Ashley and I was like, oh, what are we going to watch next? You know, because um, we're almost done with Umbrella Academy. So the thing about I will say about it is that it is more enjoyable in the moment to moment than it is in the overall. Like if if you look at 
the overall picture and the plot and even the the big bad and all of that it is a style and character over substance show which honestly is fine it's just that like you can't uh, expect it to uh, well you can expect it to 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 deliver but it's so tonally all over the place like there's they they're dealing they you know in the second season it takes place in the 1960s they're dealing with like racial segregation and then they're doing these wacky comedic things with ridiculous superheroes on the on the on the other end so it it is it is all over the map like that i thought it managed to juggle all those things really well and uh yeah no i i definitely enjoyed it but you are your criticisms are right like if i was a a film critic evaluating it i'm sure i would i would take issue with it in terms of looking um to your next your next show uh like the one the one thing i will say this this is more of my wife's show than than me but i think that it's worth worth plugging because it is a little bit different um and i have enjoyed watching episodes of it with her it's called rita and it's a denmark show with subtitles um and uh it's made me realize like because i haven't watched anything with subtitles for a while subtitles are annoying in the sense that you can't double screen which means like you can't like really go on your phone or whatever you will literally miss what is going on <laughs> Uh, but but subtitles i haven't i haven't watched something with it for so long that that i guess like i associate them with with maybe certain types of prestige movies and stuff um and not so much uh, you know just a regular light television show and rita is like it's a dramedy about a teacher in denmark uh and uh and the cast of characters in her life and she's kind of like a a powerful figure but but also uh you know her family's involved in all of this it's a good show it's 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 uh it's also like feels a bit like travel in the sense that you're watching denmark isn't so different from canada but it is different enough that you're like oh yeah that's kind of interesting so there's that element as well and all the actors are super well cast it's i think it's got like five seasons or so on net it's one of these st uh, stories where netflix took something that was locally famous and they ended up funding the following seasons because they made it such a hit, even among the English population. I think Ashley would really, really like it uh, is my feeling, but, uh, but yeah, Rita is, uh, there's a lot of episodes cause it's five seasons. So we just finished the first season. Mm -hmm. I was able to drop, miss some episodes, come back, but I, I enjoy it whenever I watch it and Jesse is really into it. So definitely a, a, a recommend there. Um, and the only the only other thing that I mentioned in the dungeon sections for me is that I'm um, I'm just continuing uh, with my with Ghost of Tsushima. I'm, I'm getting I'm getting there. I just had a really uh, um, as much as like I, I would criticize certain elements of the game, including the story. I just had like a couple of of side quests pretty pretty far into the game that were really emotionally impactful that i didn't even see coming um and so that game continues to impress even though there's so much content it's a really solid single player uh game and i, I really enjoy it i i think i'm gonna see it through uh to the end i i, I hope so um, and uh, I'm still on my Divinity campaign, but we we kind of raced through the third of fourth act, four acts. We kind of stumbled through it pretty quick because it's a lot shorter than the second act. And uh, now we're just getting ready to enter the fourth act. And uh, it's so cool 
doing this game where where it's essentially like a single player RPG where everybody is a character like uh your party members are all controlled by your friends the novelty never runs out i remember like when i played final fantasy 6 on super nintendo you could make it to the when you get into combat you know one character could be controlled by one person one character could be controlled by another it was such so cool on the super nintendo i go over to my friend's place and it's like you know the person that didn't walk around the world map would 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 get like the best the top pick for for fights you know like you want to be saving okay deal but i get to walk world map you know and uh and so that was such a, a mind blow at the time but since then rpgs well there's games like diablo that i wouldn't quantify as rpgs more like dungeons uh, hack they're there to have a game where like you're all playing together and you can literally pickpocket from each other or, 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 um, you know, work together or work against each other. Um, it's really being cool. And we just came to a big sort of plot point and, and not to ruin anything, but like the, the idea is that the game is you're, you're going to become a God, you're, you're racing towards divinity, but only one of you can, or, you know become divine so throughout that you're you're this party of four and at any given time you keep thinking like oh geez you know at one point we're all going to be pitted against each other or you never know when that that's going to happen so you're always looking at each other with a little bit of side eye even though you're working together now if you were playing that game single player it would be different you would control the whole party you know, you would select which of your characters would become divine or whatever. But when you're all like in it to win it, it's different. So it's very, very good. And we're we're into Act Four. We're gonna be really, really sad when it ends. But today they showed sort of some footage from Baldur's Gate 3, which is their next game. And honestly, that went from a game that I had zero interest in to being one of my most anticipated games of the year. I hope to see the trends, the multiplayer trends of these games, like sort of continue and go beyond this one studio because they're pretty awesome. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited about uh, to hear more about your adventure. So are you thinking of porting over your Divinity campaign to, to Baldur's Gate 3 when it launches? It's it's the same company, right? Larian yeah, Studios? Li yeah, it's the same company. Are we continue, Are we thinking about doing Baldur's Gate 3? Absolutely we are. It comes out at the end of the month. The problem is it's coming out in er, as early access, and they say it's going to come out with like 23 hours of, of campaign, but that's really just like the first act or something of like a multi-act epic, and it, it will cost full price like right out the out of the gate and it and um do we want to jump on then like or do we want to say i don't know we're even talking about replaying divinity 2 with different types of characters but i'm not sure that that would work because a lot of the the, the appeal of divinity 2 and what keeps us all working together is that we haven't seen the story content like if i had seen it and and Bo hasn't say well then then I could go around and cause all sorts of shit because I'm impatient while Bo's watching a cutscene, you know, where, where all of us watch it together or engage with it together. It, it, it works better. So if we replay divinity two, we're, we're going to be like, 
hopped up ADD little bunnies running over the map to try to find our separate things that we know where they are, you know, because we played the campaign before. Although there's a lot of different choices you can make, you know, you play as a different character, you can do a lot of different things. But there's really like we've been looking for a substitute for Divinity 2 because we know we're near the end and we have no idea. Like if if the listeners have a suggestion of a game that is like Divinity 2, uh, we would be really into it and i know the easy answer is like well what about divinity original sin one <laughs> and that game i like a lot and i would be all aboard except it's only two players it's not four players so that uh, makes it you know makes a difference that would be tough um i mean speaking of four players i've i decided to jump into avengers uh i am playing solo though so it, it supports up to four players but uh I am I'm currently focusing on the campaign. I was wishy-washy on it when it came to the beta, but I did uh, decide I had a, like a pre-order for I think it was like 50 bucks plus tax, which is a steal here in Canada. Um so I I figured, "Hey, I'll switch it over to the PS4. That'll give me Spider-Man and most likely the console version that uh that will be supported when I do eventually decide to buy a next-gen system, um probably not this year, probably once Horizon 2 comes out, but I I am playing Avengers. I'm still working my way through it. I have to, I, ha- I want to finish the campaign. I'm kind of getting a, I'm, I have mixed feelings about it. Um, controlling each of the Avengers feels fresh in a way where that when you go from Thor to Black Widow to Hulk, you feel like you're playing Thor, Black Widow, and Hulk. And, and that is, um, that should be applauded that they've put all these heroes in. I think where I struggle with the quality of the game is the environments which are not varied at all there's like the utah badlands the forest area then um aim labs like science labs and 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 like futuristic city scapes so there's not a lot there there's like feels like there's in there's four environments and that's not cool and i think the campaign struggles where some missions will be very tailored and present the story piece in a way that's like, oh man, that was so great. But then there will be other story missions where it's like, walk through here, kill a bunch of dudes, walk through here, kill a bunch of dudes. And it's all like, the, you've, you feel like you've been here before. I literally said out loud, we've been here before. And it's like, no, this is a different aim lab across, across the, the country. And it's like, well, they all look the same. <laughs> um so like the combat feels good but it's just it feels like you're doing a lot of the same but you're controlling the avengers and they feel very solid so from a i need to just relax for 30 minutes i'm gonna go punch some robots with iron man yeah it's it serves that knowing spider-man's coming down the way and and their attention to detail with story that's really cool so I think if you're, you have to be into Marvel to enjoy Avengers. Like if you're not, if you, even if you're, even if you just like the movies like me, yes, jumping into the video game, that's enough Marvel for you to be like, yay, more Marvel, because they are giving you, they're breathing, maybe not a great breath of air, but they're breathing a breath of air into these characters that we've known and loved for the last 12 years on, on film and some of which have retired and are not coming back in their original, you know, uh, incarnation from the MCU. So this gives you an opportunity to enjoy Black Widow and, um, well, spoilers, a bunch of other original six Avengers. So uh, from that point of view, it, it is a really neat way to hit the reset button and experience these characters again 
differently, similar to how, you know, Spider-Man has been a lot of fun to explore in the various movie incarnations and then in the video game that came out and then the Spider-Man we're going to get in this Avengers game will be different from all of those. So there's a lot of positive and there's a lot of negative. And I feel like once I get to the end game where you're starting to loot a bunch, I'm already feeling that like, hey, this is your final confrontation with aim so we're gonna go collect a bunch of shit and it's like okay this might be a preview of you know the post game and what that's like and maybe i put the game down jump back in every time there's a new hero and i'm fine with that because again i love marvel i love the i hope this game does well enough that they are continue they do get to continue to support it and we get more locales and more heroes and stuff they drop a lot of hints about what those heroes could be so I'm cautiously optimistic about it, but I am having fun. I'm just noticing the cracks here and there of uh, what could have been a better game if it was a very focused, let's deliver an, an Avengers story that is, yeah, somewhat linear, but, you know, is a is a solid AAA adventure game, you know, similar to like God of War or, well, Spider-Man, you know? It is interesting, like, I've everything you're saying echoes what, what I've seen in the public domain in terms of the discussion surrounding the game, like, the identity crisis of it all, the fact that it's, like, these two games and, and they're kind of mashed together and how everybody seems to quite like one of them, the single-player kind of campaign and not, like, the other one. It is unfortunate, coming off my Divinity rant, that you can't play, say, through the campaign in Avengers at multi multiplayer because seemingly those would be the best missions. The ones that you're you're gonna be playing multiplayer are the kind of junky ones after afterwards. And I get that your point about you ne- needing to be a big Marvel buff to be into it, which I think, you know, that makes sense and that pool is so big now. Like it's gotta be one of the big biggest licenses in the world um and uh that's that's it it's it, i'm glad for them that they've got that it's just you know like the old adage i guess it's like throw everything in the kitchen sink at something well like they did that here and it's like it almost feels like if they had less in the game that that it would would have done better in terms of reviews and stuff. Like, let's just say, for instance, that it ended, it was designed in exactly the same fashion. Like, you have to select the missions or whatever the way you do from the board, and it's just the single-player campaign. And then when it when it's over, maybe there's like a little rinky-dink battle arena that you can fight with your friends or something like that, and that's it, you know? Um and, and and it retails for the same and people would be like, oh, it's got a 20 hour campaign. Like, I mean, 70 bucks. Yeah, sure. That makes sense. Whatever. People wouldn't have complained. Uh, and then uh, and then it might have gotten like eights or nines out of tens as opposed mm-hmm. to like sixes or sevens. It's actually getting lower scores from critics due to the fact that it has more content. It's because it the a lot of the content is crappy or yeah, filler. like more like th- this is, is obviously this is a great conversation for this podcast because i feel like you and i can see eye to eye in this and that and, and a lot of friends uh my age will see this as well Is like more doesn't necessarily mean better for us because when i saw avengers i saw 
when I played the beta, I was like, oh, this is going to be a grind fest to get to the next layer of content. But from what I'm hearing, like it's, and then from what I heard closer to release is like, no, it's a 10 to 12 hour campaign followed by a grind. If you so choose to get the full potential of the heroes and do some of the later game content, which isn't as story, like there's story there to drive you forward, but it's, it's stretched out in a way of like, in order to get to a point that would have been the next mission in the campaign, you've got to do a bunch of different stuff to get to that next layer of um, of story, which is why when I played WoW, I would do the base content and jump out, and then I would just follow along with the story as the patches came out. I wouldn't jump in. I wouldn't resub. I just... I'd see the, you know, there'd be the paragraph of text in a video of like what happened and like, oh, cool, I'm in. I'm keeping fresh with what's happening on WoW. And I know WoW heads are going to be like, that's not at all how you should probably digest the content. But we don't blame you because sometimes the patches can be, you know, like uh, finding finding a lemonade stand in, in the desert. It's like it parches your, your thirst, but it's it's not going to keep you alive for long. Um, so I. I'm when I heard it was there was a 10 to 12 hour campaign I'm like you know what for the 60 bucks that I spent because I got it on sale that sounds great I can digest a 10 to 12 hour campaign I can finish it in you know a relaxed amount of time it's not going to take me months it'll take me weeks and I get to control some of my favorite characters that I've really grown to love over the last decade thanks to the excellent and very high bar of movies that they've set like I was saying this on the gamers in I felt like, to me, most of the, you know, top tier characters, Thor, Iron Man, Captain America, they do a decent enough job. They do a good job. Like, you know, uh, Chris Evans, uh, Robert Downey Jr., uh, Scarlett Johansson, they they set a very high bar for those characters because they've had a decade to build them up and 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 tell different stories. So now coming in with the, a lot of people were worried, like, oh, we got these like cheap knockoff clone characters uh, you know, played by <laughs> double gangers. But really, when you get in there, you quickly realize like, okay, this is just Thor. This is just Iron Man. Like, it's not Robert Downey Jr. It's not Chris Hemworth, but it's Thor and Iron Man. And they play as they play and they sound and they act as if that character would rip right out of the comic books. That's the source material. They both use the same source. And I really, I really dug that. But then there are other characters that pop up, like Hank Pym, um, who is who you you compare to Michael Douglas in the Ant-Man films and even compare to Hank Pym in the comics and he's just so underutilized like there's a throwaway line which is basically like oh I wish I could help you but I can't transform because it'll literally literally kill me and it's like okay well that's great maybe that's a tease for an Ant-Man down the road through the Scott Lang sort of avenue but at, at this point in time like the Hank Pym name is nothing but, ooh, that's really cool that Hank Pym's in this game and they all seem to know him, but he's not doing the thing that we they, that we want him to do, right? So there's there's stuff like that where they, they really layer in the, oh, this character's out there, but they're not here right now for throwaway excuse. Um, and that could mean down the road, hey, you're going to get Captain Marvel, you're going to get an Ant-Man-esque person but you're not going to get them in this campaign. And I think that's where people will struggle is like, you're getting this 10 to 12 hour campaign, but it's leaving characters out to be added down the road. And I know they can't add them all. This is not, not every Marvel experience can be end game, but I, 
I, I, I want to, I, I don't know what that's going to be like. You know, we're getting Kate Bishop and Hawkeye in October and November, respectively. What does that look like? Is it just a character drop and then a bunch of little dinky checklists for us to do in th- sort of the grindy part? Or are we getting story? You know, and how much story are we getting? How many, you know, character campaign missions are we getting? We don't know that yet. They've hinted at that it will be there, like that content will be there. But how much of it is there is my question before I can really say yay or nay on this game long term, right? Who, which character like um, feels the best or like plays the best? And I mean, I want to differentiate that question from which character is the best uh or or which character comes across the best in the ga- in the game i know a lot of reviews have pointed out that kamala khan in terms of like likability and all of this is is the most dynamic and interesting character uh i i'm just curious in terms of a pure like button mashing gameplay mechanics perspective uh is there one that is better than the other or are they all like really even I feel like they've balanced them really well because it's you, the players versus a bunch of AI. It's really hard to see if um, a player's ability can, can take those characters above and beyond. And honestly, I haven't played a lot of multiplayer because I find when you enable matchmaking, everyone plays differently. I like to take my time to move through the, or, you know, through the areas I did. I enabled matchmaking in one mission and someone just ran away and then I was just kind of like exploring a little bit, finding chests that will sometimes pop up. And uh, I got I got warped to the objective across the map and I was like, OK, disabling until I finish, you know, the campaign stuff. But in terms of characters, I, I kind of bounce back and forth. I mean, Kamala Khan is really interesting because she hasn't been explored in the MCU. She's, from what I understand, a fairly new character in terms of like comic timelines like maybe in the last 10 years i could be wrong but i remember her popping up and being like this is a big deal a new character uh heavily inspired by by captain marvel in you know in game and and i think in lore as well but so she's a lot of fun to play but where i really where i really see characters sort of you know experiencing them being better is when you've been playing a character for a long time and then you swap over to a new one and in the campaign, this happens very often as they're introducing you to the seven characters that are playable in the base Avengers game. Um, and right now, I like lately, I, I unlocked Thor again. And you get to experience all these characters at the very beginning, sort of jumping in between them. But I, I'd say what feels to be the the most fun I've had outside of Kamala Khan would be Black Widow. She's a lot of fun. She plays very differently. She's more agile. Um, her counter... She can, she like kind of can zip um, grappling hook around the map so she can grapple onto enemies and zip line over to them and kick them in the face and do that kind of, but it also acts as a counter as well. So I've really found her style to be very, very quick and agile. Um, But other than that, I'd say Hulk is really, is just really fun to be able to smash things and (laughs) grab people and, and do the whole, you know, puny God move and whatnot. So yeah, like from a from a best perspective, I think Captain, you know, Miss Marvel is is my, is the best in that she is um the most unique in terms of uh a character we haven't experienced a lot of in mainstream media uh in terms of um the MCU movies. I know if you read the comics, obviously you've got a good understanding of her, but um I'd probably even, say like, yeah. 
even the stretchiness, like, you know, Mr. Fantastic, Elastic Man, like there's Elastic Man, there's a bunch of these characters that exist. Um, but like, that's not, that's not something that's really translated that well to the world of video games where like Anthem is essentially an Iron Man game or whatever, mm-hmm. like there, Captain America could be Batman or whatever. Like a lot of those types of characters exist already. Uh, whereas her, her character is, is different. That's why when you were talking about Ant-Man, I was like, man, how would you even do that? Like, yeah. because they're all in all, all in a, you know, a different, a different game, but like they're all they all have their own little games but they're all they're all based on a singular kind of you know conceit although the discrepancy between black widow and say the hulk when you went back between those two characters is like yeah it's pretty big pretty big gap there (laughs) yeah like there are these differences but each character they're when you boil it right down every character that's playable in the avengers base game punches and kicks um, they, they all punch and kick to a certain, you know, degree, but when you boil it right down, that's what you get. Even Iron Man, I mean, he has his repulsors, he has his lasers, he, he can fly and, and they do flying, I think very well. They do gate it. You can't like fly up into the sky and, and fly away. Basically you, you kind of are in this moving bubble. Um, but yeah, like they all punch and kick, right? So when you come, when it comes to Ant-Man, that would be a tough design thing to tackle and and would be very much a, a unique character ant-man would punch and kick but he's got those movements where when he's punching and kicking he's shrinking down to punch right so i i feel like if they did ant-man it, it would be it'd be an interesting character addition but like captain marvel when they add her because again she's heavily referenced miss marvel's like Oh, Captain Marvel's one of my favorite and um, you know, this is very early. This is like first mission and Captain America says, "Oh, well, she would have loved to be here, but she's off-world." I'm like, "Yeah, of course she is." Like, we stole that writing from the writers of Endgame. Uh and probably every comic book where Captain Marvel isn't there to save the world or the earth rather. Uh but, you know, Kate Bishop, Hawkeye, you know, they'll they'll come into the they'll come into the game. Their base will be punching and kicking, but they'll have a unique sort of archer class to them, right? There are these classes of Hulk and, you know, Miss Marvel have the the sort of the big punching. You know, they're running around and they're grabbing people and they're doing the big punches and the big kicks and they're 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 more brutes. Uh but Miss Marvel's more agile. And then you've got, you know, Captain America and um Iron Man who are also punching and kicking but have their various abilities to um have ranged attacks. Uh, so there's like brawlers like those and, and like Black Widow. And then there are the, the, the strong the strong characters uh, like Miss Marvel and Hulk. And and really, I th- I like bouncing between the characters. They all are a lot of fun to play. They all have their own, you know, strengths and weaknesses when it comes to replayability. So I feel like when I do get into the end game and say, hey, you know, I remember when I beat Batman Arkham Asylum, I was like, man, I really want to keep playing this game. And there was challenge maps that they would add down the road, but it didn't, didn't really feel like what I was looking for. And I'm hoping like, I really want games as a service to work. And there hasn't been a game that's come by where I'm like, this is going to be it. I don't think Avengers is, is the one as well, but I feel like if there's any that could do it, it would be, here's more Marvel content for you to enjoy because movies are not coming back anytime soon. Like I just read an article that black widow might be delayed yet again, pushing everything Marvel MCU focused even further into the next year. So 
this is what we've got right now. And yeah, it's got some problems. The reviews are not wrong. I think um, I would put it around a seven, which is, I'm a pretty positive person. So seven is probably too high for some folks, but um, I'm, I'm enjoying what I'm playing. I've, I think I'm going to get my money's worth, but uh, something that uh, I, I, you know, speaking of pool conundrums and, and eating my words, uh, I seem to do this every episode. I come back and report. I remember last week we sparked a conversation about children's books. I had said that I pre-ordered uh, God of War B is for Boy, which uh, I thought was a kid's book. And um, you had uh, you had corrected me in that, like, no way that's a kid's book. Um, turns out it's 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 a kid's book. But it's a it's it's a satire of what a kid's a satirical tour of the God of War world, framed as as a kid's book. And you know, twenty years ago, it feels like this would have been the 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 top market of like you know, see, this is what's killing kids in America. You know, uh, fake kids books. And it's not the thing is like I read it with I should have read it before I sat down with the kids, but I read it with Caden, which was a dangerous move. I, parenting one on one, don't do that. Don't read the Mortal Kombat K is for combat because first of all, that's <laughs> not how you spell combat, and second of all, like it's pretty probably pretty gruesome. But I I did read it with him, and there's I think ninety percent of it is is a great take on the God of War world that is suitable for kids that would be reading an ABC book. Where it falls off the tracks is there's one uh, decapitation scene. There, well, there there's one there's there's a two page spread which is quite violent. You know, there's blood and, and dismemberment to a certain degree. And there is a there's one page where they say bastard and there's one page where they say dick. And I I feel as though there was an opportunity here where, where that the violence I can see it's got a war like I can understand wanting to portray that in, in this art style because it is a very cool art style. Um, but this is very much for like fans of fans of the game that maybe want to read it to their, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's a really cool product from, from the standpoint of like they made of God of War a satirical kids book. However, I'd say like with a little bit of editing, it could actually be a decent kids book because it is quite funny and they do, you know, the first five pages is like, oh, this is quite good. And, and, uh, you know, Caden's digging it. And then you, you get to the page where it literally drops <laughs> the word bastard and dick in. And I'm kind of thinking to myself, like, I, you didn't need to do that, you know. Um, doesn't make me want to like burn burn the book or something. It just makes me think like, oh, there's a, a bit of a missed opportunity there, right? But uh, yeah, don't buy this and put this on the kids' shelf. And I know it's inspired a conversation about kids' books, and you know we'll read a couple of recommendations that are actually good kids' books because Crofton had to put that call out there, <laughs> and we've got some great stuff to talk about. But that. Uh, yeah it's not a kid's book crofton and you were you were you were you were right. mostly right say it. i was mostly right you're mostly no, right I, your assumptions I, were correct and i can't believe like I, again i don't feel like i was duped i i i i feel a little silly um but you know i think i think there are i, I think if again like it's kind of it it, it uh it rides that line and that if you are reading this this book to your kids Know that there are sections of the book that should be, you know, either skipped over or heavily edited by uh, the narrator, right? So that's all I'll say on that front. Like, again, I'm not going to curse people yeah. for reading this book to their kids because I did it and, you know, everyone's fine. It's just there are certain segments that you're going to need to 
you know, censor. So um, keep that in mind. And you should skip the orgy scenes. There's no orgy uh, scenes. There's there's literally there's in my like there's two pages that are yeah, a problem. I get it. Dick bastard and beheaded. I got it. Yeah, we went through it. <laughs> um, well, you know that that kind of brings us into our diapers section and. Yeah um we oh, are that wasn't part of diapers that i mean you know 10 per, you know 90 percent of it was and i think it's a good transition because uh you know you're you're um you're running low on energy right you're getting you're getting tired so i, I want to know like we're at the hour mark here you want to you want to blast through these or what do you got for me from a diapers perspective oh geez yeah um yeah i i do there's one thing i actually really 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 wanted to talk about uh this episode um and i know that we're going to be done it by the next episode and that it will already be on the rear sort of rear burner uh and that is child of light which is a video game that gwen and i are playing together child of light was released i you know i think maybe five or six years ago on perhaps even the xbox 360 um console generation i'm not 100 percent sure on that i definitely own it on pc and have owned it for a really long time as part of like a humble bundle or something i had never played it um it always it always seemed appealing to me in some ways but not super appealing in others like obviously it looks like a kid's game it if you look at any sort of screenshots of the game child of light you'll see it's done in a painterly style um, the main character is a little girl uh, with the sword and stuff like that. And um, so I was just like, oh, you know, I'm not the target audience for this. But I had read reviews when it first came out and they had praised like the combat style and stuff. And and uh, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, that's probably worth checking out. And Gwen and I had finished Paper Mario. and We were looking for our next hit. And I really wanted an RPG. She was very interested in divinity and and, and my sanitized tales of it. And so I was like, well, maybe this game is it. And I was trying to figure out what the age was. And like, it could be one of these sort of fairy tales that has some really mature themes in it. But no, it, it doesn't. Not only does it not uh, really. It's it's like just a beautiful game. And I say that in 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 every way possible. The music is amazing. I, I've been listening to the soundtrack on Spotify. So good. Um, the art style is just fantastic. Uh, it's an it, it, it's a mix of an RPG with like turn based combat and a platformer where your character can fly around with all sorts of secrets and sort of hazards in the environment. Um, oh, the, the, each environment is super cool. Uh, it's sort of a fairy tale in terms of the story. Um, and, and I would say the killer feature of the game is the combat system, which is, I don't want to say a hundred percent pulled from the Grandia series of JRPGs that I played as a kid, but, um or as a teenager rather but but is is similar and the way that those those um games work is is that it's a turn-based combat like final fantasy where you choose to attack the dude or cast magic on the people or whatever but there's a line of like whose turn it is and if you're able to um attack somebody with a quick move while they're casting a spell or preparing a move or something well then you will interrupt their move and they will lose their turn and they'll go back in the turn order it's 
a little difficult to explain, but it's easy to follow once you see and you do a couple of combats. And then it becomes like solving a puzzle each time. It's very rewarding. The last thing I, I want to mention, and this is sort of what makes it work so well for kids, and is that it's a co there's a co-op mode. And the co-op mode allows the second player to play this firefly that follows you around and is sort of like your sidekick, your main sidekick. You have party members that fight and stuff like that. Uh and the firefly can do a lot of shit. Like and like it's not just like you know in parent paper and uh, not paper mario mario galaxy you could have somebody playing like the second controller and they would just they would point a, and collect whatever those bits were and then they could throw them at, at enemies they could do a couple of things did you ever play mario galaxy oh yeah yeah i yeah. love mario galaxy so it was, it, you know, that, that there was a limited amount of stuff the second player can do. In Child of Light, the second player um, can do a lot, including picking up stuff like those bits. Op there's certain chests, there's chests and hidden chests hidden all over the world. But there's certain chests that both of you can open, the Firefly and the girl. There's some chests that only you can open. There's some chests only the Firefly can open. You can do all of this single player, but two players, it's so fun. Like when Gwen finds a chest that only she can open, she feels so great about it. And then in combat, it's amazing because the person who's playing the Firefly can like kind of grab different enemies and slow down their turn. Uh, and that makes a huge difference in terms of interrupting their attacks and making them lose their turn and all that. And then the Firefly can also go over injured party members and sort of heal them. It draws on this energy pool and all of that. So Gwen can do all these things. And the communication between me and her is so awesome. Like, I'll be like, Gwen, can you grab this guy? And because it's turn-based, it's not going so fast. She's able to like, quickly react and she's doing these things but she's never her character is never in danger because the firefly is invincible um and so she loves that uh and so it's just great like everything about it is great though except for well there are two things one is it, i get the impression it is not very long we're near the end of it or whatever there's something to be said for a 10 12 hour experience but i would have liked this game to be longer and number two is that it's all done in rhyme, uh, which is like in in, in almost like a, like poetic verse, um, and so everything is written in cutesy rhyme, and that great honestly, like it's not the it, it's written well, but not like not like not perfectly. I, I, honestly, I would rather if they just spoke sort of plainly with maybe some embellishment, but um, Gwen doesn't even really appreciate the rhymes that much. It's not voice acted. So I'm reading it out to her and we like that, that sort of stuff. But anyway, that's the only downside I'd say about it. I got it on sale. Ubisoft was having a sale on the switch. I got it on sale for like six bucks. And when I think that I spent so little and so we got so much enjoyment out of that game, I was just like more people should play that game with their kids, especially if you have a little girl. Cause I mean, it's so empowering. All the female characters are, are powerful characters. There's no like sexualization. There's no, like the girl is the, 
is the lead and uh, she's bringing all these people together and uh, yeah it's just just great so i i can't say enough good things about child of light um fantastic fantastic game underrated i thought when when it came out like still like i read some of the reviews and i'm like come on you know like it's it's it it's for what it is i wish there were more games like this so anyway there's my rant no it's good i i think ubisoft um considering all, all the stuff that's been in the news over the summer uh they've they've done some games where they have their their smaller projects are usually really well received critically but then you know um they're not well received from a consumer perspective another one that i remember really enjoying from ubisoft in the same sort of vein of a smaller more artsy project was um uh valiant hearts which was a world war one game and more about like the story of soldiers living in and and uh living through world war one it was really interesting and, and it had a very interesting art style and, and an interesting story but child light was in the same sort of idea where it was a, a smaller game put together by a smaller team but telling this fantastic story um that's kind of underrepresented uh in video games so i i just cool. think one thing that's interesting about child the late in in those types of games is it was made by the same creative designer who made far cry 3 of all games okay and and far cry 3 while considered a landmark game of the type has been like surpassed by other far cries like you going back to far cry 3 now you're going back to an older game i go back to child of light and honestly like we just finished playing paper mario or whatever i played child of light it could have come out yesterday you know like it's it's really it looks amazing on our tv um and and so yeah like it's just those games with those art styles and that 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 they they just hold up better. I could see playing Child of Light in twenty years, and where I could not imagine playing Far Cry Three in twenty years. And you know, like it's just, it, it yeah. it's interesting how these uh, sometimes so stylistic choices make make art that endures. I guess is my point. It's a huge, uh, huge difference. And and speaking of art that endures, I have a. I have a funny, funny story. I will tell this story, but I'll probably, uh, I, I think there's something worth, you know, talking about celebrating um, Abigail's third birthday in, in these times of COVID-19. So I'll save that story for next week. Cause it is, it is one that I think will warrant some discussion, but uh, a fun light and fluffy story for the diaper section from a video game perspective, as you know, Crofton, uh, you played the paper King or the paper King. Uh, the Origami King, Paper Mario, and uh, you had finished it with with your daughter. I had finished it uh, just this last week, last two weeks with Caden and Abigail, and they both very much enjoyed it. Uh, Abigail, when we finished it, was like, okay, that was cool. Whatever you got next, Daddy, that sounds great. Caden, very quiet, we're watching the credits, and he just turns to me and he says, so is that it? And I'm like, yeah, it's over, buddy. We beat it. What do you think? And he just bursts into tears, like just full on upset crying. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm like, what's wrong? What's wrong, buddy? It's like, we finished it. We can't play anymore. And I'm like, well, we we can play more, but we did finish the game. We beat it, but it's not like going to disappear. We can we can play more Paper Mario. And, and Gwen just... made me Gwen made me go back and we collected everything <laughs> we 100 percented the game we found everything really? oh okay my you God. you might be a better parent than me because uh 
So here's what I did. And and I talked about this on the Gamers Inn, but I wanted to explore the parenting aspect of this because I think Ashley kind of called me on it afterwards uh, and she's not wrong. So basically what happened was he, he was crying. He was very upset because we had finished Paper Mario. And this is not the first game we finished, but this is the first time he's reacted this way. So I think he really, really liked Paper Mario. And I said to him, it's like, well, you know, there are other games in the Paper Mario series we could play one of those. And he's like, he got, calms down a bit. He's like, okay, which one can we play? So I'm like thinking, oh shit, do I have other Paper Mario games? So I run into my office. I, th- I thought I had the 3DS one. I did not. Uh, I must have traded it in because it was not great, but would have been But how, how would how would you even play that? Like, like You'd have to play on the 3DS, right? Which, I mean, I guess yeah. I'd want to, I'd have to be comfortable with that, which I'm not, you know, thinking back. Yeah. I don't yeah, really yeah. know. Yeah, I I definitely thought about like like Gwen's not at the point for for me where I'd have her with the mobile device yeah. by herself or whatever. Even though she's six, like may, maybe I, I'm getting there, but like but yeah, so it's not I, worth I, the babysitting that I'd not sorry not babysit. Yeah. Well, babysitting is the right word. I'd have to watch him like a hawk if he's playing with the whole unit. Like I would never let him use the switch out of the dock, but I'm happy for him to use the controller even though the controller is equally expensive, I, but replaceable, right? I guess just for me, I, I feel like the whole point of the video games with Gwen is that she plays them with me. Like, mm-hmm. it's a shared experience. At one point, she'll play them with Clara or whatever. Uh, I'm not at a point where I want her just solo playing, I, uh, unless she really wanted to. But for me, it's it's like... that it, it, when, we, when we went through the Zeldas at one point, like I realized that the best Ocarina of Time remake or whatever was trapped on the 3DS. And I was like, well, should I try to get that and then have her play that on the 3DS? But no, I, we, we just skipped it because that's of that. It. Or we tried. Yeah, anyway. Sorry. Yeah, well, no, that's a valid point. Um, In that moment, hadn't really thought about that. But thinking about it now, I was like, yeah, I really, the main reason I enjoyed Paper Mario so much is, is we were, and Luigi's Management for that matter, is we were playing together. That was the best part of it. I'm not necessarily looking to say like, here's another Paper Mario. I'm going to do taxes while you play this game. Um, so this led to YouTube, which I looked up Paper Mario and uh, I, I showed him the Color Splash trailer and surprisingly Color Splash is very similar to Origami King. So I said to him, you know, he liked the idea of uh, using the hammer to like color, you know, um, spots in the world so very similar to origami king where you're using confetti to fill holes you're using your hammer to color in like places that have lost their color um you're finding toads you're rescuing them there's you know all the dialogue is super witty and funny so you got a sidekick character this time it's a can not an origami uh princess so it kind of fit that mold that i think we were that he was looking for from a paper mario game obviously don't own it it's on the wii u so i say to Caden's like you know what this morning you and i will go downtown we'll go to the used game store we'll put our masks on we'll go find paper mario color splash so we we make that plan and like ashley pulls me aside after i'm like you know you can't do that every time he gets upset you can't just go you know buy him what he's what he wants right and i'm like yeah but we had a really great time playing the game he wanted to play another paper mario i'm thinking this is a good opportunity for him to you know play more of these games i don't own any of the others in the series and i've never played that one and i really enjoyed origami king so like i think she kind of saw where i was coming from but then i did realize like yeah i probably jumped too soon over to the well let's just go buy it 
thing. We're not talking about buying like I want one of those motorized chase vehicles. Get me one now. Like I'm I would never do that. But from a video game perspective, like I figured that was safe enough. I mean, what do you what's your take on that? Where I understand where she's coming from, like, and uh, um, I mean, it it all de- depends partially on motivation and stuff as well. Like, I mean, I said we went back and 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 got everything because neither of us really wanted the experience to end. We were having such a great time together and all of this. Um, and uh, Gwen was like, "Well, let's go back and we'll get this and we'll explore this." And we found a couple of things that we hadn't found the first time and. Like it's been a rare time since I've gotten like so squeezed the juice so much out of the game, but uh, and I don't want to go into anything uh, with regards to spoilers of the ending of that game. Uh, it has a it has a decent story, so it can be spoiled. But there is something at the end that that is saddening uh, for a child in particular, um, and uh, and so you you kind of want to drench that sad with a bunch of happy, true, um, and. Uh, it, it, and for so for for me it, it was it was um trying to find you know what is next because i like gwen and i to have a game and so like mm. um uh, child of light ended up being that game and it ended up being the segue that we you know we needed to to to, to move on to 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 something else that is not to say that we can't have a break now to address to address the overall thing i i do agree like you can't we can't always fold because our our kids are are getting upset but there are different kinds of upset if it's upset because i just want the next i want that toy daddy i want it so bad and they get upset well obviously you want to draw a line in this line in the sand but if it's like an emotional like i i'm really upset for like emotional personal reasons and you can do something about it i think as a parent it's always worth exploring uh how to to solve it and in your case you had another game that is in the same series and be like hey we can just like let's keep this party train rolling you know Mm. um as long as you want to do it if you really don't want to play that paper mario game and you're just doing it because he's crying well maybe that's not the best reason but if you're like hey i'm i'm it sucks that this is over but i've got another game we could play that you know like Mm -hmm. well then that's kind of good he like yeah it was it was definitely all those positive things like he wanted to keep playing abby also wanted to keep playing i was of the opinion that like yeah we could jump back into the origami king but wouldn't it be cool to explore uh you know another game in the series a completely different platform because now we're playing with a tablet and you know he's he he's all in on tablets now because he had to get one for school so he like i said to him like wouldn't it be cool if you could like you know it it uses the wii u tablet you're playing with cards you're painting them you're flicking them up on the screen and it's got all that stuff so he's really digging in and he got to see he, he got to put a mask on we put our masks on we went downtown we went through the used game store where he was he's very good he he can he's very well behaved when it comes to you know shopping in this pandemic we don't go very many places you know we don't take them out we since we're both home we can kind of like take shifts going out and getting stuff but in this case i i felt like it was a safe enough one where it was the first game that abby sat and played with us the whole time like that held her attention so she's also engaged and with the wii u controls and the tablet both of them can actually um use it's kind of the flip you know as opposed to paper mario uh, origami king where they were more interested they were more able to control mario walking around and um doing the the a prompts 
it's kind of flipped in the Wii U where they're doing more of the the gimmicky combat, sort of setting up the cards and stuff, and they love that. And then they hand the the tablet over me to to do the combat because there's more of like a fail state there. But yeah, I I think it was more of like an emotional response to finishing the game and and not wanting it to be over. And yeah, it's it's one of those things where and it was and I didn't I found it on the eShop for like seventy five bucks. I'm like, no, it's got to be cheaper somewhere. It's a Wii U game for God's sake. So we did we did find it, you know, I think half price, a little bit cheaper at the used store. So I felt better about that as well. And it, and it kind of taught them a little bit about like, where do games come from? They don't just, sure, they do seem to just show up on the console and or from an Amazon box. But in this instance, he was able to, we were able to go to a used game store and kind of poke around and look around and stuff. And it was, uh, it was a, it was a fun experience, but, uh, yeah, it, um, it was definitely a learning experience as well, for sure. It was probably the first time, you know, we're really good, like, about if he sees a commercial and he's, oh, that toy looks really cool. Can I get it? It's like, well, put it on your Christmas list. And that's always worked. Um, but this was probably the first instance where it was, like, it was it was a mutual benefit as well. Because, like, I wanted to play it. I was like, I, I actually haven't played a lot of the Paper Mario games. I played the first one, played the 3DS one, and I think... Origami King really rekindled my appreciation for the new Paper Mario. So I've been really enjoying Color Splash. The kids have been really enjoying it. And uh, it's weird to be playing the Wii U again, but um, I kind of, I like the Wii U, so, uh, but it's still weird to be back. Yeah, no, I I know. I keep toying with the idea of connecting it to play Breath of the Wild, uh, which I never really finished. And uh, then another part of me is like, I should just buy it for the Switch, but whatever. All right, uh, let us uh, roll to the end of the episode because I know we've gone uh, a bit long. We have already. gone long, yeah. But but did you want to do some of the uh, the listener feedback or mail since last time? Or yes, you... let's right. do some of these quick ones. Uh, we've got so we've got some general feedback from Taylor, uh, new new name at the end of the show here. Hey, I hope you and the family are doing well. Just wanted to let you know I started listening to Dungeons and Diaper recently on a more consistent basis, and I really enjoy it. I'm quite picky when it comes to podcasts, but I found the flow between you and Crofton to be really nice to listen to. Keep doing an awesome job. So Crofton, there you go. Wow, that's super nice. Thanks, Taylor. So thank you, Taylor. We also have uh, some book recommendations. We, we teased this earlier in the show, and I will quickly run through these because I know we are running behind here. Uh, Travis wrote in and he said, in response to you guys looking for children's books, these are both really good. He's got the Mother Bruce uh, series, and we don't eat our classmates. I haven't heard of either of those. I haven't. I, I don't know. Uh, so Mother Mother Bruce and we don't eat our classmates. I'm going to write those down because uh, I want to. Uh, I want to stock the shelves. I'm mm-hmm. Getting it's getting a little crazy. Uh, so thank you, Travis. That's awesome. Yeah, this is great. And, you know, it's uh, funny you mentioned that. I've actually been taking all of these book suggestions and I've been putting them into an Amazon uh, wish list that I'm just going to send to everybody uh, that always asks us, what can we get the kids for Christmas? Well, here's a here's a list of books you can pick up. So uh, other books we've got from Derek. He suggests uh, Elephant and Piggy books are fantastic and for fun. P is for Pterodactyl, the worst elef- <laughs> elephant, the worst alphabet book ever. And... I feel like I kind of want to get that pterodactyl one, like trying to, you know, get uh, Caden to uh, pick up on words and sounds of letters and stuff. That one would be a be a great one to 
actually probably set them back a bit, to, but to to mess your kid up. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Of like, Gwen has speech issues already, and I'm like, hey, Gwen, let's do some super difficult words, you know. But yeah. uh, but I, I'm sure I'm sure it would be funny. Uh, the what was the first series that you said? Like uh, or that uh, it was. Uh, let me pull it back up here. I think it was. It was uh, Elephant and Piggy books. So Elephant, Elephant and Piggy as a series. That sounds good. I just Googled Mother Bruce and it looks awesome too. Yeah. So these are great. What's that, What's next? So from Derek, he also suggests, and I think this was based on uh, your reply, which was Z is for Zamboni, a hockey alphabet, which is a good, uh, very good Canadian oh, right, yeah. hockey one. Um, and then we also got some word from uh, Jordan who said, nobody likes a goblin. Which is a uh, lots of fun and fun opportunities to do voices, which he does love to do. And you know what? I kind of want to get this one because I love doing voices, but the kids hate it. Caden will constantly yell at me to stop doing the voices. Oh, really? <laughs> so, yeah, he's he's uh, not a he's like we have this book. We have the um, uh, we have a a double sided Berenstein Bear books where it's like I love you, mom. I love you, dad. And it's like Mother's Day, Father's Day. So. Ashley was busy with Isabel and said, oh, well, we have to read the mom's side. So I'll read the mom's side, but I'll do mom's voice. And I started and he just yelled at me. He said, no, just wait for mommy to get back. You're terrible. I was like, oh, all right. G- Gwen, Gwen and Clara like my voices, but what Gwen does not like is when I, I will do like, say something like in the story is a surprise, like a, a monster jumps out or there's a moment of something. I will like grab her arm sort of suddenly and be like, Oh, just gra- grab her. Uh, you know, the dragon jumps out. Ah. Oh, and she's like, Oh, don't do that. Uh, she, she hates that because uh, it obviously scares her, which is the goal. So awesome. <laughs> yeah. So we got lots of great recommendations. And uh, if you have more book, children's book recommendations, certainly send them our way and we will share them on the podcast and don't forget, if you've got some uh, kids TV shows that you want us to review on the show, uh, you can donate to extralifebit.ly slash extraliferyan, $20 or more, and I will watch an episode and we'll do it. We'll do it real special. So next week, or next episode rather, stay tuned for a sampling of what that content will be. I'll try to uh, get something together to give you guys an idea and encourage folks to donate and support such a great cause that uh, i take part in each year it's actually my 11th year so uh it's crazy that it's we've been doing it for so so very long um but uh, speaking of long crofton this has been an extra special deluxe episode it's what happens when we go away for an extra week we have so many great stories to share on the show uh but i'm gonna wrap it up there crofton thank you so much for popping on the show and hey, staying thanks, awake Ryan. You go to bed. Yeah. You go to bed now. I'll do the outro. You can just uh, you can just go to sleep. Just get a power nap in there. Um, you can visit us on the web at tgistudios.com slash dad. Email the show, dad at tgistudios.com. Follow us on Twitter. You can find myself at rmurphy and Crofton at Crofton Steers. And a little addendum here that I have to change in our little wrap-up. We actually have a show Twitter. It's oh, yeah. D and d cast i made a mistake at the beginning of the show it's not dad cast that's taken by somebody else it was actually really tough to find a name to be honest uh d and d cast uh is the show twitter and we're going to start populating that with some fun stuff i think uh crofton's got a pretty good twitter game so crofton's got the password so he can uh he can Wait, start d and, do that again d and d cast d and d cast Oh, I see, I see. It's because and ends with the D. Ah, I see what we were talking about. Oh, yeah. 
Well, that's what it is. (laughs) We went through a lot of, surprisingly, a lot of variations to try to find what worked. Um, Thankfully, with Twitter, if we find a better one, like, if you've been listening since episode one, you know that we have a bad time at like name variations, because I think originally our short form was D and D, like a D and D. But then someone suggested like, well, why don't you just do Dungeons and Diapers? And then it works. D D A D A D dad that sort of thing. So yeah, we're not creative geniuses, people. No, no, we just let other people uh, think tank it for us. So if you've got a better Twitter name, let us know. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's gonna do it uh, for this episode of Dungeons and Diapers. Have a great couple weeks, and we'll see you on the other side. Mm-hmm.